0: Welcome to Documentaries, where we'll discuss a different documentary each week. A good documentary is a starting point to better understand our world and the people in it. Documentaries educate and entertain us. They allow us to see the world through someone else's eyes. Join us each week as we connect with our world and open up meaningful conversations with those around us. Thanks for listening. This week, we chose Meet the Patels, a 2014 real-life romantic comedy about Ravi Patel, an Indian-American actor and comedian who enters into a love triangle between the woman of his dreams and his parents. Filmed by Ravi's sister, Gita, in what started as a family vacation video, this warmly humorous film filled with unique animation and a soulful soundtrack reveals how, for Patel, love is truly a family affair. It's currently available on DVD through Netflix and also can be viewed on iTunes, YouTube, Amazon, and other streaming services starting at $3.99. This podcast will contain spoilers, so listen at your own risk. I am Della Grant. I'm Claire Turner. And welcome to Talkumentaries. Meet the
1: Patels. Meet the Patels. What a sweet movie. It
0: was incredibly sweet..: Yeah.
1: yeah. And I and I think you have the same problem get in a routine of watching a lot of documentaries about crimes, <laughs> murders, terrible things happening. It was really refreshing to watch one that was so sweet, just so unabashedly sweet. Yeah:
0: What, uh, what a tribute to his family. Mm-hmm. I mean, their family was so cute, mm-hmm. just simply adorable. Yeah. And, and also to their culture. Yeah. I mean, it was a great tribute to the culture, I thought. Yeah. And, and it did a really good job of giving us information mm-hmm. uh, in an entertaining way and, you know, making it interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think to any audience, it would be interesting. I just thought it was really well done.
1: Yeah, so the premise here is that he is, uh, Ravi is approaching 30 and his, as his father tells him, to be approaching 30 without ever being married is to be the biggest loser you can be. <laughs> his father had some very strong opinions on the matter. It was interesting to me because I wasn't married until I was 30, and I didn't feel like I was in that big a panic about it. And I feel like men are certainly in less of a panic about it traditionally, but uh, not so in the Indian culture. Yeah. That once you've got your career on track, or even before, you should be, you know, really dedicating a lot of time and a lot of effort to finding the right mm-hmm. one to settle down with and get married and complicating this is the fact that he actually did have in his past in his recent past a very serious relationship with a woman named Audrey who was very not Indian (laughs) right but because of this cultural pride in his family and in the Indian community he had not even really told his parents about Audrey Mm -hmm. and so as far as they were concerned he had never even had a serious relationship had had a girlfriend at all right so
0: and his parents met with the intention of almost an arranged marriage within the Patel family you have to marry another Patel and so you had this limited pool from which to choose Mm -hmm. so they met and decided within what 10 minutes Mm -hmm. that they were going to get married yeah uh, that it was a match and so they were just gonna go with it and they got married and moved to the United States. Mm-hmm. And so they had this brand new marriage with a brand new person in a brand new country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a little bit the backstory of his parents, but they had fallen in love right. and been married <clears throat> for all that time.
1: Right. I think his dad said that his mom was the third woman he who had been presented to him as a possible match. And the first one was too short and the second one was too tall. And <laughs> so he ended up with the, just the right one. But yeah, and it does seem mind boggling that you could be that committed to somebody you've only known for a few minutes. But when you think of the research that goes into having that person even be presented as an option for you, your parents were involved, her parents were involved. Right. Everybody, you know, was sort of um, weighing pros and cons on your behalf. So uh, you can see how it does turn out to be a good match. So a lot of this reminded me of um, a series that Aziz Ansari has done called Master of None which is uh, technically a fictional series, but it's based pretty solidly on his actual life. And um, his parents, in real life, play his parents in the show. And they have a similar sort of background story that they you know, were introduced for a relatively short period of time, were committed to each other in marriage without knowing each other very well, but subsequently ended up falling in love, you know, and having a very solid relationship with each other. Right. So it seems like a not entirely crazy way to do things. It's obviously worked very well for generations. But when you are a first generation American born to these parents, it can be complicated territory. Right. Because the American romantic story is painted in a much different way that Yes, there's a lot of reliance on fate bringing you together, and <laughs> and you, he grew up in the American culture.
0: He wasn't isolated within a pocket of Indian culture in America. You know, right. he grew up in American schools with American friends and right. surrounded by American culture.
1: Right. Yeah. So we, as the viewers, know about this relationship that he had with Audrey. And we know that he continues to talk to her, and they seem to still have a very friendly relationship. Even though
0: they had technically broken up.
1: They had broken up, yeah. But they are still in touch, and they still seem to feel a lot of affection for each other. And to know that his parents didn't even know about her, Mm -hmm. that would be hard to swallow for me as Mm -hmm. the girlfriend. It would be hard to know that he hadn't even told his parents about me. But... You also understand from his point of view what pressures would be not to reveal that relationship. And so, but seeing that they're still so affectionate with each other, you spend so much time rooting for them, like, okay, stop going on all these dates now and just go back to Audrey because you guys are so cute together. (laughs) But it's interesting to see how it unfolds, the ultimatum that his parents give him of a certain amount of time to find this Indian woman to settle down with and how they make it happen. It's almost like corporate headhunting.
0: Yes, the bio data sheets. Yes. I had no idea that that was a thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I can see a website or something like that, like a match.com, catered to Indian culture. But the bio data sheets being passed from person to person and word of mouth, that's, to me, very interesting. I mean, the whole culture around that. Mm -hmm. And
1: And it makes it seem so cold and impersonal that you're basically looking over a resume (laughs) and a headshot from this person who could be the mother of your children someday. It just seems so cold and impersonal, but it also seems very efficient. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of time wasted in the way we do things. And so maybe some of that could be done away with if, you know, if we took more of an efficient business-like <laughs> approach to it like that. But, and so then when you see he accepts some of these biodata sheets and the women behind them to actually go and have dates with, you get these little glimpses of their dates and the date itself seems like a pretty standard, awkward, <laughs> you First know, date, let's just stare at each other over coffee cups Kind of first date Right And then he decides Pretty swiftly After each one That no that's not a, That's not a keeper That's not a keeper
0: Yeah You kind of I mean you know Yeah You know
1: Yeah That, that yeah. I didn't really feel Is like the chemistry there, there and, or not You know right. And so it's very frustrating To his parents That he decides Within one date that, nope, nope, nope. So it's just a series of no's for him. And then adding to the comedy of this is that the filmmaker is his sister. Right. So all of these dates that he's going on, all these mixers that he's going to, she's the one behind the camera. So, you know, Sometimes it seems from afar, like between potted plants, <laughs> she's yes. just sort of you know, worming her camera into the situation. Uh, That's gotta be awkward and too. And talking
0: to her brother about his dates. Yeah. You know, yeah, that I would was, be very, very yeah. awkward. The way it was filmed being very sweet and cute. She had an eye that a stranger probably wouldn't have had and was able to talk to him genuinely and and get his thoughts and there was some sibling teasing and stuff like that which was really cute.
1: So um, I I thought some of the interesting parts too were where they went back to India. Yes. Um, There was a lot of interesting footage from that. It seemed like his parents were able to really illustrate what a success story they'd been right they had set up some kind of foundation or something yes and and had
0: an annual fundraiser mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. yeah some very important people within the community
1: yeah and so getting that glimpse of where they had come from sort of helped cement an awareness of why this was so important to them to to not just have some random red-haired girl
0: (laughs) and also to Robbie. I mean he even said I want my child to experience this culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I want this to be part of their childhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Culture is important to us. We can deny it all we want. Right. And it is important. And
1: right. So watching this, you know, made me think a little bit of my dating life before getting married. And my husband and I have often joked that we are an arranged marriage because my mother was the one who introduced us. Oh. <laughs> she wasn't presenting me with bio sheets of potential mates, you know, over and over, but they worked together and she saw in him something that she thought I would like and she was right. So, we joke that it's an arranged marriage, but, you know. <laughs> so, we understand that there's something to your parents, who know you pretty well, being able to kind of screen people for you. Yeah. Um, make decisions about, you know, what you might like and um, right. what you might not. But, at the same time, it's very hard to imagine having your parents steer it so severely and so specifically. Right. With spreadsheets and data and all that. It just seems so strange.
0: It does. You know, I thought a little bit about my dating life, too, and my husband and I weren't arranged by anyone, so to speak, but we met in May, and we were engaged by August, and then married by October, Mm -hmm. so we really didn't have deep history of each other. We just kind of, we had that feeling. We were both committed, and, you know, so we decided, okay, we're in this together for the long haul. And I can kind of understand how people of similar culture with both the same mindset going in about what is marriage? Is this going to mean to us? Mm-hmm. And we're both committed to it. I can understand how that would work in the long run. Right. You know, I feel like that's kind of what you know. my husband and I have had. We had that chemistry initially, yeah. and I think you either know you have it or you don't pretty quickly. I think right. everybody does. <laughs> Obviously, it wouldn't have been happening all of these centuries. Right. Right. If it didn't work. If it
1: didn't work really well. Yeah. Yeah. And to go back to Aziz Ansari, one of the things he based his series on, Master of None, is he did a lot of research on modern dating. And in fact, he has a book, I think, called Modern Love. But it started with he would do a lot of stand up routines about what dating was like for him and dating in the age of, you know, apps on your phone that could present you with options and things like that. And then he started to actually look into research about dating. And so he wrote this book that I thought when I picked it up was going to be just, you know, a comedy routine in text (laughs) about experiences with dating. But he actually collaborated with like an economist or a sociologist or something with real scientific data about the difference between dating then and dating now, even within the United States and how You know, just a few generations ago, the person you married and spent your life with was likely to be somebody who grew up within a certain number of miles of you. Mm -hmm. And so if you grew up in an Italian neighborhood and you were an Italian guy, you probably married the Italian girl from around the block and you had a bunch of children and that was that. And um, now people are much more mobile. They don't stay. They don't grow up and get married on the same block anymore. They are not likely to pursue a career in the same state where they grew up. And so Americans in general are you know, having to broaden their horizons and look a little farther than they used to. Yeah. And that's got to make it especially complicated when you have parents who are used to doing things this way. Right. But just the differences in the way we've approached it just from one generation to the next is really interesting. Anyway, Audrey, this girlfriend of his, is always in the back of our minds as he's going on these dates with these Indian women that his parents have approved of and passed on to him.
0: One thing i found interesting is that it was filmed over a six-year period. Was it a six-year period? Oh, wow. I didn't think that came across in the film. Yeah, I
1: didn't realize. So
0: I wish we could have seen more of Audrey throughout the process, Mm -hmm. although I understand why she wasn't on camera. We heard a couple of conversations on the phone. We heard talk about her between (coughs) Ravi and his sister, but we never really really saw her except in a video clip until the end mm-hmm. I would like to hear more of Audrey's story. And I do think if they had inserted more of her story into the documentary, it would have bogged it down too much. Yeah. But I wish there would have been some sort of extras or some sort of follow-up somewhere out there yeah. that's accessible where we could have heard more of her
1: story. What did her family think? Did they know about Ravi? Right. Um, Even just a quick side from her would have...
0: Yeah.
1: We only heard her in conversations with him. Yeah. And then we heard a lot of him one-on-one with the camera, but not, not really a second from
0: her. Yeah and so even at the end you know Ravi ended up with Audrey at the end of the film (laughs) and we saw her making flatbread with Ravi's mom and you know talking to the family at the table and the family asking you know when are you going to get married type of thing you know. Right. Right. (laughs) Did you do follow up research? Yes. (laughs) Okay. It was a roller coaster we were like yay at the
1: end and then looked it up and hmm.
0: this aired on PBS independent Lens mm-hmm. and so the independent lens has a web page about Meet the Patels. And you know, initially, I looked there to find out okay, where is he now? Is he married? Did he marry Audrey? And somebody asked that. One of the moderators on the page said, quote, he is married now, not necessarily to someone in the film. Smiley face with a wink. (laughs) (laughs) And his parents are finally grandparents is all he's allowed to say at this point. A happy ending for him still. However, it's not too hard to do a little Instagram stalking Uh and and see a beautiful baby daughter and a beautiful wife who appears to be of Indian heritage. Mm -hmm. And I guess her name is Mahali, Mm -hmm. According to The Notch, she's an actress and they married in November of
1: 2015. Yeah, so So, fairly recent.
0: Yeah, but it seems like it worked out really well for Ravi and his family. Right. But again, I'm curious about Audrey. Where is she now? And,
1: And it was so sweet to see that scene at the end of the documentary where you had spent all this time really kind of rooting for Audrey and going why are you wasting your time on all these first dates with these people you're not interested in and so it was sweet to see her at the end of that come back into the story
0: yeah, and
1: to be with the family and see them warmly welcoming her even though I'm for sure that was a tough pill to swallow right. and see her as you said cooking with the family learning you know his mother's recipes and all that stuff so there was a lot of effort on both sides to mm-hmm. make it work and make yeah. it fit and you'd leave that documentary thinking they're going to be fine and they still will be fine but it's, it turns out they're just not going to be fine together
0: yeah my favorite part of the movie was when he told his parents and his father said your happiness is my happiness yes. i thought that was really really sweet yes and of course his mother said you know i'm not giving up on my culture that easily i think that's she natural was really
1: yeah she that's had a natural, real though. hard time with it
0: yeah um I mean, yeah it, i
1: do think it's natural when and,
0: you- but then she said i didn't have a problem with you <coughs> dating uh, someone of another culture it's That you didn't tell me. Right. And I can understand that completely.
1: Yeah. The secrecy about Audrey was troubling.
0: Right. And they did all this work, and this whole time he's talking to Audrey and and still thinking
1: about Audrey. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a really good family story. And when he was explaining the Patels and the idea of people from certain parts of India wanting to always be with people from those same certain parts of India, and that in the, the Patels in the United States and talking about when they travel and they go to a hotel and, you know, it's such a stereotype that Patels always right. own hotels, but I guess there's apparently, you know, some truth to that. And that what they would go in and introduce themselves, themselves as Patels on vacation, <laughs> this whole separate room would be opened right. and they'd be invited in as family and the kids would be playing together and the parents would be laughing laughing and talking and cooking together and and it (laughs) was just like a family reunion at every stop on the highway right i thought that was incredibly sweet and really interesting to hear because it is a common name and i I, I never gave much thought to why it's such a common name i didn't
0: either yeah
1: but what an interesting experience to be able to feel like you are part of the family wherever you go right, with just a name that unlocks it for you. I can't even imagine that. And I can't imagine having a culture so rich and defined that my prospective daughter-in-law would be invited to come in and learn my recipes. You know? Right. Yeah. What am I going to teach a prospective daughter-in-law? Like, here's how you make a tuna sandwich. You no. Know? Oh. <laughs> I think mean, we all have stories. Yeah, know, it just, I don't know, none of it seems as interesting as, uh, <laughs> you know, Indian culture. It just, oh, yeah, the, totally. The, yeah. the clothes and the music. If you moved to India, though, yeah, and then maybe a tuna sandwich would be exotic. exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> right. Or, you know, pot roast, you know, something like that.
1: Right. Right, right. I just can't imagine moving to a place like India and wanting to, feeling so protective and so possessive of my own culture. I think I would be happy to dive right down into theirs, you know? I don't, maybe that's just, I don't know. I'm a big fan of Indian food. That probably helps. (laughs)
0: Right. Some other things that I thought this documentary made you think about is what is love and how did we fall in love? We talked about that. But the Independent Lens website actually had a love quiz. Oh,
1: really?
0: Yeah, which I thought was fun. And it (laughs) reveals how you will meet your romantic partner for life. And I took it and my result was complete serendipity and chance or carried off by a giant ape. But seriously... (laughs) sometimes the movies have it right a lot of great relationships happened when people met each other randomly and when they least expected it and that's kind of what happened with my husband and me actually mm-hmm. so yeah
1: and I think I've told you before my parents had a similar story Yours, they met just by pure chance and within months right. were married yeah. Just when you know, you know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It didn't ask a lot of questions, but I thought my result was pretty accurate.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. i yeah. have to check that out. That's another one that makes you wonder, are we doing it better now than previous generations did? Because I feel like it's much more complicated now to meet the person you're supposed to be with. Is that because we're overthinking it, or is that because we're thinking of it exactly the way we should? Because, you know, to go back right. to that previous example of the Italian guy in the Italian neighborhood mm-hmm. marries the Italian girl around the block, that was much simpler, and they probably owned a home by 25 and had plenty of kids and, but were they happy? Well, yeah, I
0: mean if your choices are more limited your decisions are simpler to make and so you know really you don't know what you're not. missing Yeah, right. if you never leave that 25 square mile Radius, and you don't know much about the world outside of that. You don't miss it, I guess. Yeah, we we do travel more. We yeah, want, things are more accessible now, and we do have the ability to see what other cultures have to offer. Yeah. So, well,
1: and uh, not to keep going back to Aziz, I'm sorry, but the, the story of his parents was that they were matched together in India and married pretty quickly, and then very shortly after that, moved to the United States mm-hmm. for him to pursue his medical career. And so they moved to, I guess, New York, got an apartment and got settled in and then he started going off to work for you know hours and hours and hours every day and she didn't speak any English and she was stuck in this apartment by herself every time the phone rang she was afraid to pick it up every time the doorbell rang she'd just peek through the peephole and be terrified and she told Aziz their son those first few days I did nothing but stay in the apartment and cry I can
0: imagine if I moved to China or Russia or a nation where with no English. contacts
1: and no common language yeah it would be terrifying Fine. It would. And so, they're
0: alone.
1: Yeah. And you're still, the only person you know is your husband, and you barely know him. So there was certainly, for her, uh, a period of intense sadness and uncertainty to get through before, you know, there was any sort of reward to it.
0: Plus I'm sure, I mean, you have to be homesick and miss your family
1: and friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even just getting groceries to be able to make the food you're used to would be tough. Oh yeah. So I, I can't imagine what those first days would be like for her, but years have passed and they are, you know, very much in love with each other and have established good, full, solid lives in the United States. So there's certainly a payoff at the end, but I just, I can't imagine having the Strength to get through that first really hard part. That's impressive
0: yeah. <laughs> to be able to oh.
1: focus on like the eventual goodness to totally. come. And I'm not good with homesickness.
0: <laughs> Something else I also thought was interesting to think about if this film, if the roles had been reversed, Ravi was a white guy mm-hmm. and Audrey was of Indian descent. -hmm. And Ravi broke up with her because he wanted to look for a bride with a similar background and culture. Would he be considered racist? Mm. You know, but we don't think of Ravi in the least. I mean, he wants to preserve his culture, and everybody deserves to find the spouse that they think that they want. Yeah. Even Ravi said towards the end, when I stopped trying to—I don't remember his exact (laughs) words—but when I stopped trying to like pigeonhole exactly what I think I'm looking for in a bride, right? You know, and just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when I develop a real relationship and mm-hmm. that's when we find out he's with Audrey right but
1: yeah that's interesting to ponder I mean I, I think it would be pretty racist if basically the culture he was trying to find was just white because <laughs> yeah. that's not really a culture you know but if he were Polish or Irish or something like, <laughs> uh, yeah I don't know that's an interesting point to ponder I don't think it would have made a good documentary <laughs> no <laughs> no it wouldn't have. when you said um, it would be interesting if the roles were reversed I thought you were going going to say if the filmmaker had been the brother and the subject had been the sister because there wasn't a whole lot of focus on what her what was going on with her love life no
0: it was and cute it's, it's at like, the end though did yes, you like yeah, yeah into the credits when he turned the camera on her and she came home yeah. from a date yes and she yeah. didn't want to talk about it yes
1: <laughs> right yeah the tables are turned all of a sudden <laughs> But you would think there would be a lot more pressure on the daughter. Biologically, it's a little bit more of a pressing issue for the woman than than for the daughter than for the son. And her name is Gita. Mm -hmm. She
0: she was very attractive. Mm -hmm. And because she was behind the camera all the time, like, for example, my husband thought she must not have been very attractive. Because Ravi made the comment when he was talking about dating in the Indian culture in the U.S. That she'd been on, I think, 30 dates but no second calls, like right. no, no second dates. Right. And so my husband, he didn't see the end. He fell mm. asleep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which happens. He gets up earlier than I do. <laughs> it's not because it was boring. It's just because right. it was getting late. Right. He said, I'm not going to be able to go back and watch it. How did it end? So I was telling him, he's like, oh, well, was she pretty? And I'm like, yeah, she was very pretty. Yeah. And he said, oh, I just had it in my mind that she wasn't because, you know, she didn't get called back on the second dates. But right was right. more chemistry than looks.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. And maybe she was putting off signals on those dates that she didn't, she, maybe she's not ready. She's, yeah. You know.
0: But yeah. I mean, marriage isn't for everybody in general. Right. Right. So especially if you're being pressured to marry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, just that statement from his dad that to not be married is to be the biggest loser you can be. Like, oh, that's pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I found it interesting when Ravi described the different perceptions of skin tone
0: oh yeah um,
1: and um, that was
0: interesting the
1: lighter you are the more attractive you are is what one of the people who's being interviewed says and ravi himself jokes good luck finding a mate for your dark daughter with the phd yeah because <laughs> on these bio data sheets it's there really is a lot about their educational background and their career prospects and all that and but if you see this really impressive bio data sheet and then the headshot shows this girl with like dark chocolate skin as opposed to a light caramel then she would likely be dismissed out of hand which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was an interesting detail that I would never have known if not for this documentary. Right, that there was that.
0: Yeah, and he made a joke about sitting in the sun with no sunscreen at one yes. point when they were filming. And... Yeah.
1: So I guess we just have more to talk about when there's a murder involved. <laughs> We've been conditioned. <laughs> well, by this Karen is so and lighthearted
0: Georgia. and cute.
1: Yeah. It was a puff piece like compared a rom-com. to rom <laughs> com. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: We could still end on a high note, even.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, that's a good point about the rom com. That I think that's one thing that has influenced the. Way Way we think of looking for love there's a lot of emphasis on serendipity and the mm-hmm. meet cute you know right. and I had a friend who got divorced a couple of years ago and when she started to sort of tiptoe back into dating she was very into like the apps and the websites mm-hmm. and all that stuff mm-hmm. and but was just meeting like one loser after another mm-hmm. and like one dead end date after another. And I said to her, well, How do you feel about just like deleting the apps and getting off of the websites and just trying to meet people organically the way we used to? You right. know, like just keep your eye open in frozen foods. Yeah. <laughs> you know, go take a pottery class. Exactly. There. Get out
0: there. Just get out there. It's harder though in our culture too. The internet mm-hmm. makes it easy to just retreat back to our homes and, and not get out there. And we almost have to force ourselves to get out there these right. days. even when we're not looking for a mate.
1: Yeah. And it it feels like the more efficient way to get it done to be able to like scroll Mm -hmm. through possibilities and click and what have you. But
0: do some pre screening.
1: Right, right. So even if you're putting yourself out there, is anybody else keeping their eyes open for you or are they just picking up their milk and going back to the laptop to find the date? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at the phone while they're
0: getting the milk. Right,
1: right, right. I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I were back in the dating pool right now. Yeah, it just, the thought of it just seems exhausting to yeah. me. Even just talking about my friend just now, like her getting back into dating, I just thought, why wouldn't you just prepay your Netflix for the next few years yeah. and get some nice jammies and just and take hang
0: a, out with your girlfriends and right, you know, do right. fun stuff. Stuff that you want to do and if you meet somebody with similar interests while you're out there doing the fun stuff, right. all the better. That's
1: <laughs> frosting, but that shouldn't be your cake. Well,
0: my husband and I have talked about it too and he, he said the same thing. You know, if something ever happened, you know, probably just sit at home with the dogs.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know. It's hard to say what we would do. But Thinking I can imagine I can't, I can't imagine
1: proactively looking for yeah, somebody. It else. just yeah. feels
0: exhausting. I
1: could see settling into it if it happened, but going out and looking no. Mm. Yeah. No, I got good books to read. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got comfy jammies to wear. <laughs> as long as you've got somebody to travel with, you know, yeah. girlfriends or sister or mom or whoever.
0: Yeah, exactly. Somebody um, you to know, try new
1: restaurants with.
0: <laughs> the other part of it is, though, I do think about that saying, I have lots of people that I can do something with, but nobody I can do nothing with. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's that too. So I don't know. Who knows what we would do? Yeah. You can't predict the
1: future. Yeah, you it. can't predict it. I just get tired thinking about it. Like I when, do too. When I
0: think, God, thank goodness, I don't have to. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, that seems like a good time to bring up the high note. Yeah, now <laughs> that we've talked about the potential deaths of our <laughs> spouses, know.
0: yeah, let's let's bring it down so <laughs> we can bring it back up.
1: <laughs> so, what what do you have? I have one that. I surprised myself with. I am all of a sudden not a fan of sitcoms. I used to love like Friends and Will and Grace and all that in the 90s and I don't know when I got so impatient with sitcoms. I don't know if they got more tedious or if I just got more cranky. (laughs) (laughs) Aside from that the standard here's a little apartment set and here's some people making quips at each other. It just makes me tired. And I also, in addition to not being a fan of sitcoms, I'm generally not a fan of reboots. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why every TV show gets remade at some point. Every movie, there's a new Chips movie coming. Like, why? (laughs) I don't understand this. So, imagine my surprise when there was a new version of One Day at a Time. On Netflix, I think? Yeah. So, uh, I didn't expect to like it very much, but I read a review of it that made it sound kind of promising, and Mm -hmm. whoever reviewed it was astonished to find themselves liking it, too. So, I thought, well, maybe I should give it a go. So we've watched the first three episodes now, and it is really good. The set might be the actual identical set from the original One Day at a Time. There is a Schneider, who is the handyman around the place, so he's, you know, been completely replicated from the first one. But the family itself is different in that it's a Cuban American woman, and her mother lives with them. And she has a tween-age son, I think, and a teenage daughter. And I don't remember this being true of the original Series, mm-hmm. although I was just a kid at the time, but there were there are a lot of social issues that come up in this one. I and remember a good number. Of social were there in the original and, one? I couldn't remember whether there no, were for that
0: time period. I know Archie or like,
1: All in the Family. I guess All in the Family did. Of, there's been a couple of them now where her daughter who is a kind of a surly teenager, you know Mm -hmm. your classic like, I don't want to do this kind of stuff it comes time for her to plan her uh, quinceañera, which is um, in the Cuban tradition when the girl turns 15 and there's a big party and that's when she's officially a woman. Uh So this daughter has all kinds of um, feminist ideals and she thinks that's a stupid thing to do and her mother is like, yeah I agree with you in theory, but this is still important to our culture and I still really would like you to have one. So the two of them are just constantly wrestling with that. So this is a Cuban-American family. The mother and her two kids, a boy and a girl. And then the mother's mother lives with them. Mm-hmm. And she is played by Rita Moreno and she's very very good. She's sort of the the super Cuban <laughs> yeah. influence, you know, she's really hot to see this quinceañera happen. And um, she's very traditional in her way of thinking and doesn't understand a lot of the American ideals that some of the kids have picked up. And the mother herself, the one playing what would have been the Bonnie Franklin character, is an actress named Justina Machado. And I spent the first, half of the first episode trying to figure out why she seemed familiar to me. And then it finally occurred to me She was in Six Feet Under, and it's become a running joke in our house that if you see somebody who looks familiar in a movie or a TV show, it's probably from Six Feet Under. I don't know why. Yeah. All of these people seem to have had at least bit parts on that show at some point. Anyway, she played the wife of Rico, who was one of the funeral home uh, employees on Six Feet Under, and she's really, really good in this role. It's doing a really good job of being funny, but bringing serious topics in. Okay. And so I've, I'm only three episodes deep now, but I'm interested to watch some more and see how it unfolds. But good. I'm just yeah. stunned that I am enjoying not just a sitcom, but a rebooted sitcom. Good. Great. Yeah, I'll
0: have to check that out too. Yeah. So how about to. you? Mine is very cliched, but the weather... I'm a summer person, and I know people will be listening to this podcast (laughs) year-round. Totally. But it's winter right now. (laughs) And it's really cold today, but the past couple days, the past few days have been beautiful and warm. And so we were able to take our stuff outside and work on the deck, and then at some point say, forget that stuff anyway, and go to the park, and wash the car, and... Just really enjoy the past couple of days, and it really helps with the winter blues. Yeah. <laughs> Mid-70s. And yeah, yeah. Sunny and just beautiful and love it. And it's February right now, so normally and it ain't not very sunny or warm. Right. I
1: mean, we could be buried in snow right now in any other yeah. year. And so... Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm a summer girl too. And I I hit a real slump from like November to February yeah. every year.
0: January is especially difficult, I think, light-wise because the yeah. days are so short. And it's usually very bitter cold. And so early and there's February... there's no Christmas lights to distract you and cheer
1: you up. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're coming down off that Christmas holiday high. Right, right. So you normally don't have a lot of social engagements or anything to get you out of the house. So you're hibernating, or at least I am. And so this early February thought, has been very welcome yeah so, that was
1: mine yeah here. no i totally agree there is nothing like opening the windows and having a little breeze coming through to kind of lift your spirits a little bit yeah. and even though it's uh, i haven't even looked at the forecast it's probably going to snow this weekend for all, <laughs> anybody knows but these little bits of warm weather are enough to kind of boost you through until spring really comes for real totally
0: well good I think that wraps it up for this time, and we would love to hear from you, so please visit our Facebook page or come to our website at documentaries.com and we will see you or hear you or whatever
1: <laughs> next week. We'll yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.
0: opening music is Places Unseen by Lee Rosevere. The closing tune is Sao Paulo's Trip by the Mugres.